When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to A Little Wiser. I'm here with Erica Gerard and Tara Daigle, who hopefully you know by now. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hey. We are going to dive right into talking about last week's episode with former white nationalist, now peace activist, Buddhist, all-around fabulous human being, Arno Michaelis. And I have one absolute standout moment, which was not included in the full episode. So when we get there, we're going to play that for you. A little bonus. And just an overarching thought, um, new thought, that uh, as a result of my conversation with Arno has really sparked um, me to think deeper about. So there's my little teaser. But... Tara, we'll start with you. What were your favorite moments or biggest takeaways from the episode with Arno and his story? I think my favorite part is when he talked about how he would try so hard to be angry and hateful and people like refuse to kind of reciprocate that energy to him and would only be kind and basically see through this facade that he had created and almost force him, I would say, to think differently or encourage him to think differently. Like they showed him kindness, which kind of prompted his his internal change. I thought that was really cool. Are you talking about the McDonald's story? Yeah, pretty much. And then after that, where he would go to the raves and people were just like so accepting of him. And, um, you know, he kind of went into this slight cancel culture conversation about the DJ that was like not allowed to go or got called out for his former life. And he's like, listen, if I wasn't accepted back when I went to my first rave and had this incredible experience. Like we need to be more willing to see people for where they're at now versus where they were because change is possible. Yeah. So the McDonald's moment, for those of you who don't remember, because we just referenced that he had, it was a swastika tattoo on his finger, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he would go to McDonald's every week and there was an employee at McDonald's who was an elderly black woman who would look at him. What would she say? She would smile and say, I know you're, I, I know that's not you or I know you're better than that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and the um, way he described her with this beaming smile, he painted such a beautiful picture of him walking into the McDonald's and ordering his meal. And you could hear in his voice the joy that it brought to his day and how much that experience, the whole experience of going to the McDonald's, getting his favorite meal and having this exchange with this elderly black woman that just kind of like brightened his day just was like really cool. You talking about the rave makes me think, and then I want to hear from Erica, but the the role, and we didn't spend too much time on this, but art played in his transformation from basically hate to peace and love, and as cliche as that sounds, peace and love, it was all of these artists that he referenced that he was drawn to, like, Jerry Seinfeld made him laugh, this Jewish man who he was supposed to hate and see as less than human. And he and he ends up in this rave culture, right, where a lot of the artists are queer and black. And it was really interesting. He referenced music, television, film and being drawn to the art of people he thought he was supposed to hate and I don't know. There's something cool oh, about yeah. that. That's Who so cool. That, I, the line when he said that before he became a, a neo-Nazi, he, he used to love the Beastie Boys. And, you know, <laughs> obviously as a skinhead, you can't listen to a bunch of Jews doing black people music. <laughs> uh, I shared that with my husband and he just started cracking up. It was so funny. It was really cool because, yeah, I don't know. I I just loved that he brought that into the story because it's really, yeah, Im- impactful. Erica, what about you? What were what were your standouts? Yeah, well, I I loved that rave scene as well, but also mostly because I have to confess that I was a former raver in my in my days in the the 90s real into it (laughs) real into it but it was like did you dress up and everything oh yeah it's like I wore a purple wig oh hell yeah you know is there photo evidence of this there may be some that exist (laughs) and it's it back then like the way he described it was so true it was like and it did the same thing for me it was really he said that it was like having a non-sexual spiritual love fest and that's how it was that was like it was just you know the most if you could imagine an ideal kind of utopia vibe that's how it was at these parties and he it's sad it's not like that anymore because he was saying that you know they're not so accepting of just everybody anymore as it used to be but so that was really cool but that wasn't actually my moment that that was an aside my the moment or the the part that really stood out for me because it broke my heart was when he described how he recruited these kids into the movement and what he referred to as Joe pissed off white kid and how he would 
play off of Joe pissed off white kids insecurities about himself and rather because it was all about getting a girlfriend and and if you didn't get a girlfriend then you know you're you're pissed off at that age and that was triggering for a lot of reasons right we think about school shooters and and how powerful that that rejection is for young men but what he said was so rather than rather than taking them under his wing and being like maybe take a shower or get a haircut or buy some new clothes <laughs> that he would say the real problem is these people over here hate you and they're the issue there's something about belonging and identity in in the in this deep hole that needs to be filled and he's bringing them into a community that's going to give them that. And now they have a, a mutual target that they can blame everything that's wrong in their lives on. Yeah. And he said that the way out, the way in to recruiting them was understanding their pain and suffering. And the way now is an interventionist who works with parents and families and loved ones to get people out of hate groups is exactly the same as as the way you recruit them is to understand their pain and suffering which when you think about it it makes sense but when he said it it's it's illuminating and it's powerful right it is it's really powerful and as he said no one was going to beat the nazi out of him no one was going to we all know i think about the the concept of nonviolence and that I think deep down we know that you can't fight violence with violence, but why do we still do it? I mean, we that we can't stop doing it in this in this world. Yeah. And that ducktail or dovetail? dovetail. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute, though. Can we keep that in the as a button in the clothes? Oh, yes. We're 100%. No, we're just going to okay, keep it in great. right here. We're not even going to put it at the end. <laughs> Erica, on that point, in preparing for the interview, Arno had me watch a documentary he helped produce, Refuge. And it's a really well done documentary about a now former leader of a white nationalist hate group and the friendship he formed through Arno with a Muslim doctor living in the States. And it was really interesting to the point of understanding their pain and suffering and seeing people as fully human and giving space to be compassionate about their pain. You want to go into it just with a clear bad guy, good guy, right? The white nationalist mm -hmm. is awful and he's wrong and he's bad and all these things. And I think the exercise, or not the exercise, but the point of the film is to understand him, to understand him as a human being who's been through really painful things that led him. And obviously it's a story, you know, of redemption and transformation. So eventually you're really rooting for him. And he's actually really likable in the film. But finding that brave space to offer compassion and understanding to somebody you deem as 
and and maybe fairly, right? So hate-filled and evil. And it just, how to your point about nonviolent, about understanding, as, as radical and hard as that seems, I just think that's that's the only way through. That's the only way forward. Because fighting back with violence or shame, how does that move anyone forward, right? Yes. But I also appreciated his disclaimer about that too, which was like, look, I'm not going to, I'm not a doormat either, you know, if, if there's a limit to my compassion. And he was talking about terrorists and, you know, if, there's clearly exceptions, exceptions. Right. the need to the violence to be neutralized and put in a place where violent people can no longer hurt themselves and others. But after that, yes. after as both individually and as a society, we knew, need to do it from a place of compassion. There's yeah. And I wouldn't there's always going to be a percentage of people who are unreachable. And but if we just discount the stories of people's full humanity, even when they've done heinous, awful, despicable things. I mean, that is the work of Parents for Peace and Arno is to go in there and say, I want to understand your pain and suffering and reach in with a hand out, right? And that requires understanding them and so I just think that the other option is is pretty bleak as far as people healing from their own hate and, you know, the origin of, of whatever that is for them. Yeah. With the caveat is there are some people who are going to remain in a hate-filled, despicable manner, mm-hmm. violent, horrific manner. So Right. And we also can't expect victims to forgive their perpetrators in the name of you know in the name of peace and love right that's a very personal choice and a personal decision like I always remember watching murder trials and then the mother of the the victim stands up in court and it's I forgive you I forgive you and I'm like dude what you're crazy what do you mean? Like, how do you even do that? How is that even possible? Um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 a worthy goal to strive towards. Yeah, it's it's like you said, it's a personal decision. Yeah, and maybe this is a kind of a tangent, but I'm interested to know what you guys think. Do you feel like, as a society, we're moving closer? to no forgiveness of people's pasts or farther away with this whole cancel culture if you said something wrong did something wrong in your past it kind of follows you forever type of mentality you have perfectly teed up the moment we were gonna play the bonus clip oh yes yes tara so thank you for doing that without scripting or prompting all right so i'm very interested in both of your thoughts on this question. But first, I want to play a clip from Arno that didn't make it in the full episode and was one of my favorite moments of the take a listen. I do know that 
I've been the former neo-Nazi guy for 14 years, which incidentally is twice as long as I was a neo-Nazi. And I, I feel now I need to start like rebranding myself as to just who I am now and what, and the work that I've been doing for 14 years. And, and, you know, I'm never going to be able to just completely set aside the whole neo-Nazi aspect of my life, the time of my life, because it's always going to be part of my story. It's always going to be part of my, who I am. But I recently, I, I've really come to the conclusion that I need to like stop leading with it. This is actually really like uh, facilitated by a dear friend of mine. She was my first girlfriend when I was 14 and I, I was horrible to her back then. I couldn't believe she'd still talk to me, but her and I reconnected in uh, 2010. She's an art professor at the University of Pittsburgh. And last year, they had a bunch of like anti-trans speakers on campus. And it was really like traumatizing people. And she wanted to bring me in to do a talk to kind of like shine a light and like give people some hope. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. It's awesome. You know, let's do it. And uh, she was creating all the, you know, she's an art professor, brilliant designer, and she's creating all the promo material. And she said, you know, I, I don't know if this is okay with you or not, but I'd like to write a bio for you that doesn't mention that you were a neo-Nazi. Like, first of all, because like it's, it's necessary. If, if we have that in there, like people are going to get all freaked out again. They're already freaked out. Like that's not going to help things. And I, I don't want people to come in with like a bias against you. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, whatever you think is going to work best, let's just do that. And and she did that for me. She wrote me a new bio that, you know, said Arno has been helping people leave hate groups for 14 years. And he's he helps people who've been the targets of hate. And he's been working, you know, for nonviolence and inclusion for 14 years. And it was really beautiful. And I, and I kind of like, I took that and I had to put the neo-Nazi thing in there a little bit, but it, it changed the way that I kind of like portray myself and kind of what it leave my brand, so to speak. It's a tedious term, but it's apt. And so I, I think making that branding change is something I'm in the process of right now. I loved this story for so many reasons, and it just, we've said it before on this show, we've talked to people not only who have been through unthinkable things, but who have done unthinkable things, have have created deep pain and suffering. And this notion that, cliche as it may sound, we are not defined by our worst days or our worst chapters or years. And there is, I mean, that's incredibly hopeful when it's true that we can, you know, my guess is the last person in the world who's going to forgive Arno is himself. But as a, yeah, just letting go of that story and living the life and the values and the ethics that he has. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really loved that. <laughs> I think what you're saying is that we all have shameful things in our past, things we're not proud of, or even just if you're somebody who struggles with mental health or mental illness, there can be a lot of shame around that. And maybe you've 
healed yourself and you're no longer that person, but you still carry those ghosts with you through life. I think everyone can relate to that notion of blossoming into a, a completely different version of yourself. And it's tough that he has, he can't just say goodbye to that version, you know? I mean, it's tough and it's not. It sounds like he's finding the right balance to it. But yeah, I, I think that struggle is is very relatable. Yeah. And how long does it have to be the headlines? Right. How long is when he walks in a room anonymous to everyone there, does he need to shake their hand, for lack of a better word, when he's, you know, speaking and say, hi, I'm Arno, I was a white nationalist versus showing up as he is. Um, well, let me ask you, Kimmy, how long are you going to walk into a room and say, hi, I'm Kimmy Culp, I have bipolar disorder? Um, I no longer feel like that is the most important the he your headline i've yes yeah. i don't i don't identify it's a piece of me it's a part right. of me it certainly isn't always easy but i don't it's not who i am it's a mm -hmm. it's right. a part of me it's a piece of me and that's um and then not the one far and away that i identify with the most there's a long list of things that i would put before that descriptive you know, including a storyteller, most importantly, friend, a daughter, a long list of things now. But for a long time, I just, I let the thing internally certainly be a, a big headline and I no longer feel that way. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of us as people, as humans do that. We are grasping for like what to find our identity in and that can look very different in everyone whether it's mental illness or a disease or something like our nose yeah. yeah addiction sometimes it's people's faith mm -hmm. it's it just becomes this overarching thing that we're kind of grasping for because we so badly want to know ourselves and be seen and heard so I think it was really powerful to have that realization and that his friend was able to give this gift to him to say that isn't your identity you can just be Arno now and not just Arno but same thing with the shared experience of the rave that he was talking about we're all just humans going through this experience and yes like the experiences of our lives have shaped us into who we are but that can grow and evolve as we grow and evolve yeah. it doesn't always stay the same so I think pinpointing people to their past and maybe what they've said or what they've done doesn't allow for that growth like how are we how do we encourage people to grow when we say you are what you've done. Right. And cancel culture, back to your point, I have a huge problem with it. Same. Yes. I just, I I yeah. just, it's, if the world is going to operate that way where people can't repair, make amends, 
fall down, make a mistake, get back up, do better. Obviously, there's going to be exceptions. But in general, if that is how we are going to move forward as a culture, we have some problems. Big time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, it's interesting with having kids in high school and having everything they do be on Mm. social media and public. Us growing up, we made a lot of stupid decisions. I did, personally. I made (laughs) a lot. (laughs) A lot. But it wasn't shared publicly. But I think that's Mm -hmm. part of coming of age. It's part of... And I've seen kids at several schools, they do something stupid and they are, boom, expelled, you're out of the school. You just wonder, is there an opportunity to have a discussion as a community, bring, turn it into, a, there has to be consequences, right? When you do something, but it's just, everything is so harsh. People make a mistake and it's like, you are eliminated. Your business is shut down. You are expelled from the school. And, you know, at what point do we allow people to learn and grow and move forward in a better way? And Arno is certainly like a huge example of the potential of that, oh, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if there was social media back when he was in his the heyday of his white power propaganda? No. His Instagram page would have been his neo-Nazi band and reels of them screaming their racist music. He would never get a job again. He would never get a job ever again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm truly not sure he... I can't say this for with certainty, obviously, but I, I would imagine maybe not even being in the position that he's at today, if that all, if all of that content, quote unquote, Certainly existed, mm-hmm. yeah, in the in the world, yeah, and he's making such a positive impact in the world, right? He's yeah, he's speaking in all sorts of places. He's working with Parents for Peace and creating films and writing books about the path through hate and the reconciliation. And so thank God that he gets a second chance because look what he's doing with it. Yeah. And if you think about it, what better teacher is there than someone that's been there and had that experience of growing through it and changing and then being able to like pass that on to others. I'm just thinking about all of the change that could happen in the world and probably does from former experience of something really painful. And he has the credibility to go into these groups because he can say, I've been there. I did Mm -hmm. what you did. I've walked. I understand you. Whereas somebody who didn't have that shared past wouldn't have the credibility with them at that point in their life. Yeah. So I loved this episode. Our editor and composer, John, he said it's his favorite (laughs) All the Wiser episode. Yeah, (laughs) he did. So if you haven't listened, you should listen to John's favorite episode. And Arno is so likable. Oh, yeah. He's got a great voice. He has a great voice. Yeah. If that you know, alone. Just the story is incredible and he has an incredible voice when he tells it. Yeah. All right, ladies, anything else? Would you like to ducktail on my... (laughs) I have no more (laughs) ducktails to go into. No. 
Alrighty. Well, we will be next week's episode because we like to tease it is a deeply personal episode. I interviewed my sister-in-law and I'm really excited to share it with you. She is someone I love very deeply and just have an incredible amount of respect. And what she has been through in the five years that we have been creating and sharing this podcast is I've just witnessed her own journey of really painful things and a lot of um, suffering. And I think it's, and I'll tee this up next week, but I know so many of you listening have had that shared path as you've been listening to the show, whether it was through lockdown or you losing someone you loved or dealing with health or chronic pain or your kids. And that is one of the many reasons I'm excited to to share that conversation because I think Lee is an example of somebody who's been listening to the show as she's been on her own journey. So yeah, yeah. that's my setup for next week with Lee Culp Henry, my incredible sister-in-law. Yes, it's great. It's a very special episode. And all right, ladies, well, take care and we will be back at it after Lee's episode. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm going to go rave now. Thanks, guys. I'm going to go yeah. rave it up. <laughs> go put on your purple wig. Go put on my purple wig. <laughs> Send a pic. I feel like every topic where, like, Erica's like, I was actually in a religious cult for. <laughs> actually, the thing about me is <laughs> I was used to wear a purple wig oh, and know, go to I had raves. a hard time finding myself for a very long time. <laughs> Did a lot of experimenting. What topic can we throw out there to learn more fascinating things about Erica in her 20s? <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh. Now I'm embarrassed. All right. Okay. Love you guys. <laughs> no, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> okay. We love bye. you. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.